Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Welcome today. So glad you're with us. We're using this book of Marilyn Mills' One World, One Heart this month. And what I love about the book is she really alternates chapters between the idea of opening our heart and then some of the ways that we can actually use the various spiritual laws for a more practical approach to spirituality in our lives. So it's been a great journey so far. This week, the theme is unity and inclusion. And I think what's interesting about unity and inclusion is often we we try to think of it in terms of equanimity, the idea that everyone is created equal, everyone has an equal chance, everyone should have the equal rights and equal accessibility and so on. She takes a different approach to it. I think, I think it heads us in exactly the same direction, but it is a unique approach and something that I want to talk more about today. I think you might be surprised at how she approaches things. And I think maybe the best place to start is a short reading in the book. This is from One World, One Heart, Marilyn Mills. She says, throughout our lives, we will be challenged many times to love and forgive others. And often we don't want to do either. Relationships are one of the toughest things we can deal with in our lives. People hurt us. They can take advantage of us and many other things that upset our equilibrium. How can we stay positive around those difficult people, especially when they often bring out the worst in us. Have you ever heard the phrase, well, she presses my button or he presses my button, that idea that uh, you're just kind of waiting to be triggered in some negative way? And I remember it's often said that parents have the ability to reduce their adult children down to age five with just a comment or two. Well, these are all illustrations of some of those uh, difficult relationships that we may have. And, And what she talks about unity, what she talks about inclusion, really is from the grassroots place. It's from that place of the heart where it's not just people in other countries or who look different than you. Oftentimes we exclude people from our lives that are even the very closest to us. And so the first part of what we're going to cover today is the idea that the journey is different than the destination. So often when we're interacting with people, I think it's about the destination. And here I want to uh, cover a a brief joke with you, if you don't mind. Uh, Hopefully this is one of my better jokes. So during the wedding rehearsal, a groom approaches the pastor with an unusual offer. Look, I'll give you $100 if you'll change the wedding vows. When you get to the part where I'm supposed to say, love, honor, and obey, and be faithful to her forever, I'd appreciate it if you'd just kind of leave out that part. So he passes the minister a $100 bill and walks away. Well, on the day of the wedding, when it comes time for the groom's vows, the pastor looks at the young man in the eye and says, will you take this woman to be your lawfully wedded wife? Do you promise to love, honor, and obey her and be faithful to her as long as you both shall live? The groom gulps. 
he looks around and says in a tiny voice, uh, 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 yes, I, I do. And then leans towards the pastor and whispers, I thought we had a deal. The pastor puts the $100 bill back in his hand. Sorry, I got a better offer. And so that's what I would say is relationships based on the destination. Relationships based on getting what you want out of a relationship. I think we've all worked on projects before where there was a a very clear goal in mind and it was almost a People were expendable or people were, how do I want to say it, less important anyway than the results of whatever was supposed to happen. You know, here at the church, we put on a variety of fundraisers and other activities throughout the year. And every now and then, I just have to stop for a minute and think, now, wait a minute, is this fundraiser more important than the people who are putting it on? Because I got to tell you, with any group of people, there will be times when the spirits run high, when differences of opinion, even in a spiritual setting, will get people on the wrong side of each other. There'll be people who will figure that their ideas are not being trusted or whose voices aren't being heard. And, and of course, we can get that fundraiser done. But was it at the expense of good people that you want to have around for a long time. See, that's the trouble with focusing on the destination, focusing on some end goal, but really, perhaps, not as important as the relationships that you form and nurture and bless along the way. You know, not too long ago, uh, well, actually, I guess maybe it is a while ago, maybe five or six years ago, we were without someone to help with hospitality. Normally, we, we have a, almost like a breakfast bar going on in the back of the sanctuary with coffee and treats, and the, the person who had done it for many years just wanted to retire. And, of course, we blessed her and, uh, and whatever, but uh, gosh, we were having trouble finding someone in that role. And I remember uh, part of our trouble was we were presenting it as the destination, right? We need somebody who can do this. And we described the this. <laughs> well, well, people weren't up for that. They too saw it as a destination. Am I, am I up for, for doing this? I don't know how I'm going to be supported. I don't know how to pay for the food. It really seemed overwhelming to anyone because the focus was on the destination. Uh, Honestly, rather than assign it to someone, rather than make someone to do it, if you think about it, it makes me even laugh to say, we're going to force someone to do hospitality, right? It's like that's even a better joke, I think, than the one I told. Let's require someone to be hospitable. And so, of course, we just went for a time without even coffee service. It made total and perfect sense because it was about nurturing the relationship. It was about finding the perfect person whose heart was open to see it as a sacred service, as a blessing to provide that level of hospitality, right? And it was about nurturing that with person. It was about making them feel loved and wanted and, uh, and useful in the world. It was about nurturing the talent of a person and not the destination of creating food and drink for Sunday. So I'd like to ask you a question. How many times in your life are you so focused on an end goal that sometimes you might walk right over the top of the people 
who will help you achieve that goal. Now think about some of the projects you've worked on. Maybe you've uh, fixed up your apartment or your house. Maybe you've uh, gone back to school and had to make other arrangements for, for children or daycare. Maybe you've taken on another job where, uh, where your partner or your loved ones have kind of been relegated to the back seat. Have you perhaps been guilty of this idea of it's all about the end. It's all about the achieving the goal. It's all about getting to the finish line, not noticing that the people along the way really are the gift. The people along the way are your life. The goals are going to come and fade and be be different and get changed out, right? I think we're on our third or fourth person who does hospitality here at the center since that particular time. Each one of them a true blessing. Each one of them uh, truly giving from the heart and providing that service out of love and joy and peace. And so if our focus was always on the, the end product, would we have built those loving relationships? Would those people still be involved in the center, even though perhaps they're not in charge of hospitality anymore? You see, it's the relationships ultimately that are perhaps more important. Well, there's something else I want to talk about today that I think is equally important. And uh, and I hope there's some movie lovers out there, right? I hope some of you are enjoying uh, going to the movies. These days, perhaps more on Netflix than in person. But in any case, what have you noticed about most of the movies these days? Most of the movies these days, I would say, are kind of action-oriented. And in fact, if we were to put them in that that idea of destination versus relationship, I think you would discover most of them are destination movies. You know, it's about saving the planet at all costs or, or saving your wife or the house or, or creating the fabulous new job or, uh, uh, you know, guardians of the galaxy out to, to save the universe or whatever it might be. Very oriented towards an end result of some kind. Then fast forward through whatever movie you have in mind and watch the credits roll. Have you noticed that one or two featured players, of course, will be on top, the Celeste Stallones of the world, the Bruce Willis's, you name it, the action hero, of course, but pretty rapidly they zip through the sidekicks and suddenly you'll see girl number seven or fireman number three, right? Guess what those are called? In the acting world, those are called supernumeraries. They're the people that flesh out the story, but don't matter enough to even have names. So what I want to also talk about today is the invisible people in your life. The people that are supernumeraries. See, I think a lot of times we orient our lives in the same way those blockbusters do. We have one or two key people in our lives, usually maybe a partner or a family member. We'll also often have a sidekick, right? The, the humorous best friend. And oftentimes the, the sidekick either brings in the humor or sometimes brings in trouble, but they are one of the featured players because usually the plot will organize itself around them. So we have the, the prince the family, then we have the lovable sidekicks or the hateable sidekicks. But I wonder if then everybody else in our life is just girl number seven. 
have we created a life where 90% of the people we come in contact with don't even really have a name? Now, I think this is important because I do think that inclusivity, I do think that making sure that everyone has a voice is giving everyone access at least to enough of our lives where we know a little bit about them, where they're invited in. The talk title today is Everyone at the Table, and, and, and I chose that because uh, that's another thing that oftentimes you'll see at movies. The only people that ends up having names in the movie would generally fit around a dining room table, right? We limit our exposure to only just a few people. What if I said to you, though, the person who has some answers to really important problems or questions in your life was right in the house next door to you? Do you even know your neighbors well enough that you might be talking over some of your issues or some of your opportunities with them, and they would have the opportunity to give you the idea of a lifetime, to solve some problem that you've been uh, really chewing away at for months and years. Do we know just even our neighbors, even the people that we're co-workers with, or are we treating them almost as though they were invisible? Well, we're leading up to some homework today. And, uh, and before we go on, let me talk about the homework. So the homework is pretty simple. It's who are the invisible people in your life and how can you make them visible? How can you bring them to the table? And there are a couple suggestions in the book that I'll talk about. One is uh, suggestions around people that perhaps we have some difficulty with. That uncle that uh, you just dread having on the telephone or that, that coworker that you just wish would stay in their own cubicle. So one of the options or one of the suggestions in the book around that is when, when, when we start off on an encounter with someone, just to do a silent and affirmative prayer. I know that I am one with this person and that the communications that I have with them are open and filled with love. This person is part of God even as I am part of God. And I know that this encounter is going to be equitable and non-judgmental. This person is part of my life. This person is invited to my table. And I know that this telephone conversation is going to be based in peace and love. Do you get the idea? Just to do a quick job of setting yourself up for success with this person. God will answer these prayers. God wishes to see peace and love and joy on the planet. In fact, I think that's why we're here. Sometimes I think the whole reason that God created uh, humanity is to get to experience love on a human scale, to experience peace and joy as we humans do. And so, of course, it's God's very good pleasure to bring about those kinds of successful encounters and conversations. And so let us set up ourselves to be expecting the good if we wish to receive the good. So as you're about to make that difficult phone call, as you're about to have that perhaps in the past awkward encounter with someone, simply say to yourself an affirmation, a prayer, that this is going to be a joyous or peaceful encounter. I know that this person is as part of God as I am part of God. 
And this interaction is based in love. The other thing, though, that she counsels in the book around this idea of invisibility is simply to take time with everybody. You know, there's an alternative to, to the action movie. There's an alternative to the movie where, where 99% of the people don't even get names, right? Is everyone familiar with some of the ensemble kind of movies or TV shows where, where almost everybody has a story to tell? Uh, you know, recently, uh, Downtown Abbey is a, is a good example of that. Or, or for some of us older people, uh, Star Trek, The Next Generation, another one where, well, yeah, there's Captain Picard, but you really learn about all of the officers and often an episode of of that particular Star Trek series would feature one of the even minor characters and you'll get to know about them and care about them. That is what she's suggesting in this book that we're reading this month, that you take the time to actually meet and identify and learn about the extra people in your life. Your neighbors, your co-workers, some of the more extended members of your family, not just to interact with them at Christmas, not, not just to do the usual how is your weekend, but actually involve them in some questions. Uh, let your guard down for a little bit of intimacy. I use an example of the most trivial sort. In my previous job, I used to do a lot of project management and uh, I worked for the telephone company and they would send me out to some of the craziest places out in the Pacific Northwest. And I'd be flying out to Yakima or I'd be flying down to Phoenix or I'd be flying up to Seattle or even British Columbia working on various computer projects. And it got to be so much travel that literally the people at the airport knew who I was. Well, every weekend when I would come home, I'd get in my car from long-term storage, and often I'd have the same person where I'd pay the parking fee. And I got to tell you, she had the most amazing scowl on her face. Now, I sort of understand this. I mean, picture yourself out in a toll booth in all kinds of nasty weather, right? In a three-by-three little box where all you're doing is processing cash transactions and visa cards and stuff for probably eight hours at a stretch. So here was this poor woman that I saw almost every week with just this face of, of unhappiness. And I said to myself, I'm going to get to know her. Now you might say, well, how do you get to know someone for like one minute every week? But I made that my task, and I started out just by complimenting her. She always had some unusual jewelry, and what I came to find out, I complimented her. She made the jewelry herself. And so that was my, that was my hook into her, was simply by actually showing some interest in something that she was interested in. And I got to tell you, after a few months, when, uh, when my car would come into the line, I could see her smile like half a block away. Three cars ahead, she would look up and see my red RAV4, and her face would light up, and her face would light up, and my face would light up, and suddenly... For the, just for the, uh, what do I want to say? Just for the investment of one minute a week, I had a new friend. Well, that's the second part of your homework this week. I'm asking you to make an investment 
in some of those invisible people in your life, whether it's neighbors that maybe you haven't met yet or coworkers that so far has been limited to just how you doing, I'm asking to step forward and make just a little more of a commitment to your time and energy. Now, why? You might say, why? I only have enough time for the principal players. I am in an action movie, and there's only, if we're going to save the universe, I only have time for, you know, the captain of the Enterprise and maybe the first officer or the science officer, and that's it. I'm here to tell you, though, you will get joy from everyone on the ship. There is a story for everyone and about everyone. And if you pay attention, if your ears are open, if your heart is open, it will make all the difference. Then suddenly, it's no longer about the destination, but it's the people that you take along with you. It's about developing the the love, being part of the relationship, actively nurturing one another, pitching solutions and ideas towards success. If you only have two or three people in your life, the chances are you are greatly limiting your ability to love, to live, to be fruitful, to seek abundance. And so that's your complete homework. Again, just to reiterate, one... Who are the invisible people in your life and how might you go about inviting them to the table? How might you go about turning someone that is just girl number seven into a friend? Well, I'm going to close today with a quote and a prayer. So this part of the book ends like this. To be fully alive, we need to be in the flow of life and not on the sidelines. When you run an errand or are out in public, how often do you look at people and smile? Maybe say hello. Maybe engage them. We need to give ourselves a push to be open-minded in meeting people and trying new things. What might happen if we did this? Showing an interest in someone is a small gift that may touch him or her in a way that you may never know but it will always touch and change you. Let us pray. There is one power, one presence, one life. There's only just this one thing, and, uh, and it is that grand unity of all things. Every person, every place, everything, every situation, everything part of the one And what I know about this one, what I know about life, is that it is here equally for everyone. There is love for everyone. There is joy for everyone. There is a a story for and about everyone. There is this grand life, and, and everyone is a part of it. And so today, for myself, I claim that no one is invisible, that everyone is welcome to my table, that everyone has that capability of, of sensing the openness of my heart and the willingness of my invitation to, to come in, to become a friend instead of a stranger. As it is true for me, I know it is true for, for everyone, that capability of the open heart, that willingness of the invitation, that interest, that, that honest interest in other people. And so I claim and affirm for everyone within the hearing of my voice, life is open. Life is willingness. And that each day forward, there's a little more willingness 
to invite more people into our lives, to, to celebrate the unity that is God itself. And so for this, I am grateful. The heavens and the earth open in friendship, in, in unity, in inclusion. I release this prayer into the activity, into the action of the law itself. I let it be. And together we say, and so it is. Thank you so much for being here today. What a joy to have you with us. Uh, now is our time of conscious giving. I invite you to take your gift in your hand, get ready on your tablet or your, your computer device, and, and go to cslportland.org slash donate. It's our great honor to receive the many gifts that we receive from all of you each week. It's what has kept our, our virtual ministry alive over this last year and a half. And uh, your gifts really are a blessing not only to us here, but as we are rebroadcast out into the world, so many other people take advantage of this, uh, this really healing ministry, and I want to thank you. So I think I want to cover just a, a couple quick announcements before we close today. We're opening the sanctuary for uh, in-person visits again, starting on June 13th. But I also want to mention, especially to you folks online, we are absolutely committed to uh, continuing our broadcast, to our YouTube channel, to our audio podcast. So for those of you who are not located in the Portland area, no, we're not changing our, our lovely relationship that we have online. We truly have treasured uh, bringing many new members and more people to the Center for Spiritual Living here in Portland, Oregon. Through this pandemic, through our ability to be online, on Facebook, on YouTube, and of course our audio podcast. We're not changing any of that. And so you may hear us chattering and excited about having people coming in through the sanctuary doors again. I hope that on June 13th, you will feel equally excited about our reopening. I think we have some special plans for our online guests, as well as the guests that will be coming here in, in person. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. We also have many programs, classes, and workshops developed just for our online audience. To find out more, go to our website at cslportland.org and look under the Online tab. We have a variety of content dedicated specifically for our podcast listeners. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at cslportland.org donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended spiritual community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.